Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Women of the Hobby. Uh, it's a exciting episode here today. We have Cindy from Giant Legends on Instagram. Um, so I'm super excited to, to learn more about her and um, what she's doing in the hobby as well. So welcome, Cindy. Hi, thanks to be here. Thanks uh, for inviting me. Yeah, of course. So I guess I could give a bit of a backstory of how I, I found your page and things like that. So um, if you're not familiar with Giant Legends, it's a it's a really nice Instagram page and uh, it's really has a lot of athletes that I personally uh, self-admittedly don't know much about, but I love learning about. So um, uh, yeah, I guess we could just kind of start there uh, as uh, what your page really, the meaning behind your page and, and what you do. I think like a lot of people, the Instagram page is an outlet for sharing the hobby. Um, I don't sell my cards. And so this was just kind of an outlet and I just was doing it sort of quietly and posting randomly here and there. Um, and so my collection focuses on cards of women athletes pre-1972 or pre the passage of Title IX in the U.S. And they go back as far as I can find them, which is give or take around the 1850s. You know, trading cards started as trade cards, and I don't really specialize in trade cards because they're oftentimes representations of uh, women doing what we would call recreational activities today. So I don't do a lot in trade cards. And then the athletes are more athletic type of cards kind of started more in the 1880s. So it's, I say 1850s, but um, that's, it's a different, you know, image of then like the 1920s. So yeah, anything before 1972 that's printed around the time that the athlete actually competed. And that's an important caveat. So they're not aftermarket cards. And I do that because I think it's an important um, historical snapshot of kind of like what was accepted and what wasn't. So a lot of cards are printed of certain people long after they competed, because during the time they weren't, they, they were competing, it wasn't something necessarily that the marketers wanted to pick up for whatever reason. Um, so it's a little bit of a historical snapshot. And of course, they have to be original um, and those are my, that's kind of my collection in a snap, in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super awesome. And, um, I kind of love looking at those cards because I think just like the comparison to today's cards, like modern cards are mm -hmm. very different. Um, but I guess kind of one of the initial questions I have is, did you first like get into cards or are you more of a sports person? Are you more of like being like, um, it's like female empowerment or kind of like what was your avenue into this medium so to speak definitely a sports person okay. um that's really my true passion and it's probably started as a kid with baseball cards because i you know i can still remember like the texture of the tops cards and the smell of the gum i know i had a shoe box of cards and i the only card i remember was that i had a hank aaron card and this would be early 70s and then I sold the box and I never thought twice about them. Um, but I was an athlete, you know, I studied women's sports as part of my master's degree. And it was during that process of doing my master's that I was yard sailing. And I just came across this little kid's table and he had all these, you know, cards spread out. And I can't remember if he pointed it out or if I saw it, but there was a card of Manot Rion, who's an ice hockey goalie, who was rumored to make the NHL as the first female. And uh, that sort of, you know, started me down the rabbit hole, which is a great one of women's cards. And so then I started looking for contemporary cards because that's all I knew of. 
and this was the early 90s, um, which was, of course, that time where, sorry, dog, bark o'clock, um, where, you know, the card companies almost killed themselves with overproducing, but at the same time, it opened up, I think, competitive opportunities to include women. And so there were a lot of women's cards that you could find if you were looking for them. And then through that process, I stumbled upon my first vintage card, which um, I pulled it out. Yeah. It's this wonderful Opeachy card wow. of an athlete. And I saw her, Opeachy is a, an English company. Um, and I saw her in this kind of antique um, display case at a, it's like, I guess, a, like a sport card show in a mall in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And that just sent bubbles of excitement through my blood. You know, I just thought that was the coolest thing. And so then eventually I narrowed it down to this pre-1972 genre to focus my energies. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's quite amazing. I can kind of echo the, the being a sports fan first and then kind of falling into it as well. That's actually, mm-hmm. you know, I've gone through majority of my life not even really knowing about sports cards but now I'm glad that I do and probably wouldn't know it any other way um yeah. but yeah that's that's super amazing with seeing the the first vintage card because honestly I think even to this day beyond your page and in person I'm not sure that I've ever seen a like women's quote-unquote like vintage card everything that I've seen has definitely been modern very extremely modern or at least maybe the 90s or something Mm -hmm. so um how do you go about I guess locating these cards you mentioned that story there of finding your first one but is it a is it a struggle are they I would assume they're very scarce but they are it's definitely the needle in the haystack (laughs) um I started collecting before eBay was a thing and I would go to sport card stores and sport card shows and um, just kind of learned about it that way and found very little on the vintage because I wasn't also really looking for them either. <clears throat> Excuse me. And now I, I tend to look mostly online because sadly that 90s era and the internet kind of killed the bricks and mortar stores, a lot of them anyways, and just really um, imploded in numbers. And so that wasn't a great avenue anyways. But the, the internet and particularly places like eBay or auction houses opens up a worldwide Um, marketplace and that's where surprisingly a lot of them come from Europe and particularly Germany uh, and not as money through the U.S. and so it was that was kind of an eye-opener and one of the the gifts of this collection and the historical knowledge was to see women's sports through an international lens uh, because it's just kind of natural to see it just through an American lens and um, so that's been wonderful but yeah mostly online And then I do, like when I travel, I do try to seek out, uh, they call them different things. Like in the UK, sometimes they're called stamp stores, but sometimes they're trading cards or coins or, you know, they have different kind of umbrellas that they put the, just depending on whatever the business specializes in most. But I do try to, you know, look at whatever I'm around when I travel. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know like in terms of still speaking kind of, in terms of modern but a lot of the European cards are also like sometimes stickers like stickers have become mm-hmm. pretty popular I think the mm-hmm. sport of soccer but having known that a lot of it is in Europe is there a specific manufacturer that you have found a lot of them are generating from or kind of what is what does that look like 
it's more of a lot of companies that were in Germany, particularly in the 1930s, um, somewhat in the 20s too, but a lot of cigarette companies, tobacco cards that came out of Germany in the 30s. And there is some history behind why, and there was a big movement towards track and field. And so starting to celebrate um, athleticism in, in women, which was really the opposite of what was happening in the United States, where there was an organized movement to put the kibosh on women competing in track and field because that was masculine. Mm -hmm. um, but in Germany, that was one of the uh, fitness was good. You know, this was a rebounding time from after the decimation of World War One. And strong women made strong babies. So what a better way to rebuild your country than to have something to, to kind of you know, centralize your focus on. So it was track and field or what they called turn in sports. Um, but yeah, I pulled out one of one of my favorite ones. This is, I think from 1933. So this is this company, let's see if I can show it here. Just beautiful cards from a company called Jacetti. Mm -hmm. And um, the series is Deutsche Sports, which is, of course, German sports, but just a really lovely uh, coloring of theirs. And uh, that's what the back looks like. So, of course, everything's in German. And like most cards, they might say a little bit about the uh, athlete and then, of course, about the product. Um, but, yeah, it's, so it's hard to pick out like a company that has a lot of cards. Uh, I think they're actually more in the UK. So like the Wills. Um, had a lot of around tennis and some Olympic sports, but I haven't really looked at it that way. Like what company put out the most sports uh, mm -hmm. cards? It's more of, I've looked at what athlete has the most cards and that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, having said that too, so what, what is, I think kind of my next kind of question was, what sport have you found to be the most prominent? And then probably in that same landscape, what athlete have you found the most in terms of vintage? Um, yeah, great questions, because nobody's really asked me that before. I think the Olympic sports definitely get a lot of coverage because there weren't pro sports. You know, they just didn't have that. And so if women were covered outside of the Olympic sports, it was more of a truly a novelty. Um, track and field and tennis even though tennis went in and out of the Olympics, but it was uh, a highly popular and acceptable amateur sport. So ten, I would say those two have about the most cards. Swimming, of course, was um, acceptable, but I don't seem to have quite as many swimming cards as, although there are a lot um, of those two. And then the athlete that I have the most of and I want you to guess how many cards she has. And of course, I then, you know, fitting fitting that time frame so printed around the time that she competed and, and um she did go to three olympics so but sonia, sonia henny is the athlete she's an ice skater a figure skater that really revolutionized women's figure skating and she won gold in 28 32 and 36. so you know within that time frame give or take a little bit maybe into the 40s but Guess how many cards, at least I, I have found. I don't own all of these, but I've identified. Take a guess. Um, I'll say different cards. Oh man, I don't want to be like wildly off. Uh, I will say maybe she has um, like 20 cards. Over a hundred. Wow. Yeah, it was surprising to me too. I mean, I just kept finding a lot of Sony Henny cards, but she was hugely popular. 
And she later went into the movies. Um, she was Norwegian, but she went into Hollywood and became one of the wealthiest women in the world. And there's interesting stories about like the Zamboni machine. If you're into ice hockey, you can credit Sonia Henney for making it um, popular because she was so wealthy. She would, she bought one and she would train it. She would freight it on a train and carry it to her ice shows. Um, the white skates that women wear, they used to wear dark and Sonia Henney wanted white skates. And so there's, there's certain things um, dancing. So like if you've looked at men's gymnastics versus women's, why do men just do movements and women do a, a routine? Mm -hmm. Ice skating used to be the same way, but Sonia had a dance background. And so she changed the competition into more like a fluid routine. And she also, because of her popularity, made um, ice skating more associated with women. It used to be a more of a masculine sport. So all these things that this is one of the things I love these cards because they open up this world of um, history that give an athlete more interesting background than just she won gold and you know so Sonia Henning has the most cards and this is one of my favorites because she's not ice skating oh wow it's one of these really unusual yeah she's in a track and field starting pose yeah. and um I think this is a yeah this is another German card um I forgot what year this is but it's around the 30s I believe or mm -hmm. best late 20s so yeah that one's a fun one because it's just different yeah yeah, I think that's awesome to see, like you're saying, these athletes, they have these cards, but they've also introduced, um, I guess, different ways of the sport. Like she's had such an influence on the sport overall, you know, ever since she's she's been prominent in that. But uh, that's, that's super cool. And I like that you're showing the examples of the cards. I think one thing that I've noticed, like automatically, and I've seen this as well, but I think all the cards that you've shown are a different... Um, like dimension, different mm -hmm. size points. Uh, right. Do you have any like background information on like what the sizes or like the history of the sizes as well? So most of them had to be a little bit smaller than the size of a credit card because they had to fit into a tobacco pack. And okay. that's how tobacco cards or cigarette cards started is as a stiffener um, to keep the cigarette stiff. And so they had to fit inside it. And they, you know, of course started as blank cards, um, but then, they went and marketers started realizing, well, trade cards are popular, so why don't we put images on it? So that's kind of a uniform size. You know, it's roughly one inch-ish by two, two and a half inches. Um, some deviate, and then some card companies realized that these cards are so popular, let's make a redemption out of them. And, you know, you could send in, you know, the pack or, you know, so many cards or just money and get either more cards, but they would be special. So they'd be like a larger size. And then you would, like you're saying for stickers, you would actually paste these into books. Mm. And um, that was one of the redemptions anyway. Sometimes they give you prizes or something else, but by and large, uh, this, is, this is a tobacco card and another interesting one from, um, of Babe Diedrichson, which I think was around the time that she was competing in the AAUs. Uh, competition for track and field that sent her into the 1932 Olympics. Uh, but this is, yeah, this is just to give you like, know, yeah, yeah, yeah just like a normal size. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. So with every card that you kind of buy or you uh, find, do you, do you do the research behind it knowing this is the card you want or do you stumble upon it and then do the research and say, no, I want this card or kind of what is yeah. your process in getting that? 
I do do that. So I'm not a crazy collector in which I feel like I have to have every card out there. Part of this collection is working towards a book. And I'm trying to get a good representation of the cards that are out there. So like, say if a set has, you know, maybe this would be a lot, the 20 women's cards in it. I don't need all 20. I might get the top athletes. Um, and, you know, just to give you a size of like the collection, I think I'm a little bit over 1400 cards within this genre. And I've identified about 600 or so that I don't have. So, you know, there's roughly give or take a little more than maybe, maybe more, but 2000 ish out there pre 1972 around the time that they competed. So I do, if, it, if I come across someone like I've never seen before, yes, I will look her up. Um, and it depends on the price point. If it's inexpensive, I'll probably go after it. If they're asking too much and she never did anything and there's not much history on her, no, I'll let it go. <laughs> Unless it's like, just like something super unique. But right. usually, yeah, if it's going to have a be more expensive, she better have done something. <laughs> yeah. I need to spend money on it. I feel like your collection, though, is unique in terms of, of what you collect and having it be specific to um, vintage when they competed um, as well. Mm -hmm. Have you found another collector that collects similarly like to you or like you kind of maybe you find a collector that you're always going after the same cards together or have you found anyone like that? Um, yes and no. So it's funny because there's like different worlds of this collection. There's the women's sports world, there's the ephemera world, and then there's the sport card world. And none in the first two, um, but in the sport card world, I'm starting to meet some other people. And I would say Anne-Marie from Women on Tops is the closest, uh, but she does all cards, all vintages, you know, current cards, etc. But she does have a good collection of vintage as well. Um, there's people that I have come across that collect specific sports in vintage. And so there's somebody that has a really nice tennis site and then he posts, I think it's him, I could be wrong, but um, you know, men's and women's cards. Um, so there's, there's like different niches that people have, but I think uh, women on tops is probably the closest. I don't see us as competitors. I see us as, you know, um, partners and sharing the love of cards and, and, and sharing the knowledge that we gain. And, um, but she does an amazing site with how she overlays her graphics and the cards. And so that's, that's a really good boost for women's sports and, and adds a lot of excitement to women's sports cards. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've met with um, Anne-Marie online, but also in person. Mm -hmm. and yeah, she's, she's full of character and yeah, she does a great job. I just, the name, I always, whenever I hear that name, I just love the name because of the pun and just like everything about the woman on top's name. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a great name. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's, it's not necessarily like a, a competition, but I know some people, if they, they tend to go after the same things, they begin to become buddies in a sense mm -hmm. by like, oh, you collect that, I collect that too. So, um, but yeah, that's very nice to hear as well. Um, yeah. So I guess in terms of where you, you mentioned that you have about 600 cards that you're, you're looking to get, is there a time frame that you're expecting to get this or is it just kind of like however long it takes you to get, are you, it'll take. <laughs> um, actually, I'd say my, my wish list is really short. Uh, the 600 is basically a database of okay. cards that I don't have because I'd like in the book to be, you know, a most complete resource possible that maybe will become an online display and online accessible um, with the right publisher. But 
yeah, so I don't, I'm not trying to go after 600 right. cars, but I do have a short list. Um, some are total unicorns I've never seen for sale, but I've seen them. And then, so it's not really a time limit. Um, I think what will put a time limit on me is once a publisher says, yes, we want this project. Uh, and then I'll probably have a year to finish the book. And so it will, whatever's out there that I can find is going to be part of it. And, you know, the book is kind of a historical, it's not just about cards and what the athlete did, but also a little contextual information about the times and the countries that these, you know, people competed mm -hmm. in because, man, it was so much different than, you know, what women have today and especially in the United States. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's it's nice to kind of have those backstories because, you know, I'm oftentimes just flipping through cards, men, women, whoever it should be, and I see the name, but I know nothing about them. And I don't even take the time to read the back of the card because there's so many cards nowadays, like I yeah. just don't even take the time to know who they are as like a person. They could have, I'm sure I've passed through some very influential names in my shuffling of cards, but you know, have not, have not taken the time to, you know, think about what they've done or anything like that. So I think it's nice to kind of take a step back and see, you know, you know, literally take a step back in time and also see, you know, what kind of influence they have had. Um, yeah, and that's a good point because there's so many cards to out there today. And that's one reason, another reason why I picked the 1972 Title IX benchmark. I mean, not only did women's sports dramatically change after that, but I just found that contemporary cards, and again, this was early 90s, there were so many, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, they weren't expensive then, but they were, there were so many and they were easy to find. And I didn't find that that exciting. I like the hunt. I, right. you know, it is like anybody who collects anything, that's the, that's usually the fun is finding something that you've never seen before. Exactly. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. It's, those are always the cards, like even in some of the modern stuff, I might just buy it. Yeah, it could be 10 cents. It could be a dollar, but I'm like, I've never seen this. Like I kind mm -hmm. of, this, you know, it's like, it's very unique and that, that definitely is part of the fun. But in general, um, you mentioned like you're, you're kind of doing this to kind of tell a story, but also publish a book, hopefully. So mm -hmm. where do you find a lot of your, your information of what all you want to be in there? Like you go through other, I don't know, like research resources or kind yeah. of things that out there. Yeah. So I work in academia though. I'm not faculty, but I want it to be historically correct, of course. And so I'm looking at what's called peer-reviewed publishings or you know, books that have um, credibility or, you know, they're cited a lot. And so trying to give it as, you know, a historical stamp of approval of being accurate as possible. So, you know, Wikipedia doesn't count. Um, other just kind of articles, unfortunately, wouldn't count. And even if it's not published in a publishing house that's tied to as an academic publisher, that's okay. Just because, you know, now I, I will know that what I'm finding is as correct as it can be based on what has been already researched. And history is always, you know, we're un unveiling or um, discovering new things. And so, you know, it's as long as I feel confident that it's right, because I didn't live in these times, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm going by other people's research and cobbling it together. But I think it will be really interesting. And I'm not trying to rewrite world history by any means but just enough to give people an understanding of what women went through in order to compete. You know, what were the right. barriers or what helped them compete? What right. encouraged them? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 
I think that's that's very that's very interesting. Um, I feel like I'm just asking like off the wall kind of questions, but they always keep popping up. So in terms of your book, are you planning on writing it in more of like a chronological order or do you have like an outline of, of what yeah. you'd like to say? This has been the biggest challenge <laughs> is how to, how to outlay it. And so I decided chronologically kind of by decade, mm -hmm. um, but there are definitely, there's periods where it's more about the, how the cards lay out. So in other words, there's not a lot of cards pre 1900s, so the Victorian period would get its own chapters like 1850 to 1900. So it's not every single decade. And then it goes about 1900 to 1930, because there's not, again, a lot in there, but we start to see some in the 20s. And the 30s is really the mother load, um, largely because of the 36 and 32 Olympics. And then it just dives down. And so I'm not sure, I've researched up until the 30s and I've started, I mean, up until like 1930. So I might combine like 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s together. I'm not sure because truly those, you would think the older the cards would be hard right. to find. Try to find one from 1940. You know, it's um, a few reasons for that. They canceled two Olympics. And because of the, the war, they had a paper shortage. So cards are made of paper. And, mm. and so very few cards were, printed in the first part of the 40s until about the 48 Olympics, I think that's right. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, 40, yeah. So then they start to pick up a little bit, but it's it's still pretty hard to find in um, post-World War II. Interesting, because that was another question and my like mindful of questions that I was going to ask is have they become more prevalent as you know, they're becoming newer or, you know, 1960s, mm -hmm. 1970s, I would expect there to be more, but as you're saying, it may not be the case. Yeah. And the only book I found close to this is by Patricia Bertinsky, I believe. And it's um, Venus has biceps, I believe is the name of it. And so she has studied other forms of ephemera of strong women. So posters and postcards, and there's a few trading cards, um, but it's other forms of ephemera. And she saw the exact same pattern. And so that was interesting. And it was kind of um, validation that, okay, this isn't, I'm just not not finding them. They just don't exist. So if it's sort of a parabola from, you know, the 1800s and it goes up, 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 30s, 36. And then it's like, and then it slowly starts to, you know, slowly build again. Um, but it never, you know, from the, the numbers I have found, nothing has eclipsed the 30s in the decades. And the other piece to the organization is it was really challenging to figure out where to put the Olympics within each section because I didn't want to regurgitate information. And some athletes like Sonia Henney um, and a few others, they repeat. Mm -hmm. um, so is it, I mean, they came back for like another Olympics and participated. So what if they're in 28 and 30 and I've got two, you know, two different chapters. And so I'm making the Olympics its own chapter and a publisher will say yay or nay, like they like this or they don't. Um, but I just, it was hard to get my arms wrapped around this and like, how do you present this in a logical manner? Right. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine that's, yeah, kind of why I was, I was questioning because I start thinking about it and there's so many different things you could do by sport yeah. or mm -hmm. athlete you know, like exactly so yeah. um I think chronological in my mind it, it may make somewhat of the most sense but 
Um, I, I definitely don't have all the facts or anything. So I can imagine that would be quite the task there. Um, yeah, it's but, a lot more than I paid off a lot more than I thought it was. It's taking a long time. I've been working on this book for a few years now and yeah. it's got to the point where I finally got a proposal out, but, uh, and I'm waiting. Um, but yeah, I still have a lot more to research and write. Interesting. Did you have previous like book writing uh, experience or is this your first time kind of taking it on? First time taking on an actual book. I did a master's thesis. Um, so, you know, I had some schooling part in the fun in research and writing. Um, but yeah, I've, I just had some blogs posted about or some articles, you know, either written about this collection or I have written them, but never a whole book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, yeah, I definitely love kind of hearing all these stories and, and seeing the cards as well. I don't know if you had any last cards that you wanted to show or if you had kind of hmm. been through them. <laughs> yeah. So I picked out a few I can share. Um, this is one of the more iconic ones and it might have a lot of reflection because of it's in a case. Oh, but of course, okay. The Babe Dejerson, um Gowdy Sports Kings card from, I think it's 1930. Wow. I think this is an American gum card, a lot of text on the back. Um, the only two women from this series are these two. And so Helene Madison was an Olympic swimmer. Um, I didn't even know who she was. I had never heard of her. And then I saw her card and it was a really high graded one. And it was like over 700. And I was like, who is this woman? <laughs> I've never heard of her. And so, yeah, I just love how that opens it up. Um, I love sports that I don't necessarily haven't played. So this is another Dressetti card of a field hockey player. I prefer when they're in action, but any kind of representation I think was really important. Um, and then you can see, this is a more contemporary card at least as far as the collection goes. And this is a, I'm trying to pull it out. This is a Wyoming Tice card. And I think it's, it references the 1968 Olympics and I met her, so I had her sign it. So this is oh, one of my wow. little treasured one. This is very light um, mm -hmm. in the paper. And so I'm careful with it. It's not one of those harder ones, but uh, I think this is the, the, the writing is in Spanish and they also <laughs> reference Wyoming Tice. I mean, Wyoming Tice, um, Wilma Rudolph in oh. the card. Yeah. I had a funny story with her when I met her. I like a little uh, geek. I brought my cards to her to sign and she looks at one of them. And she's like, that's not me. <laughs> I was like, what do you do? You know, it's like, well, the picture says it is, but I just, I'm like, okay, it's not you. You don't need to sign it. So I, you know, out of 1400, it is hard to like pick out some. And it's actually the collection kind of is overwhelming to me too. When I had about 200, I'm like, that's it. That's gotta be all that there's out there. And it just kept finding them. So it keeps growing. Yeah, it is. It is as anyone in this hobby would, I think, attest. It is a wonderful hobby, and whatever you know, sports, gender, um, era. It's just there's something that hooks us, and I love the quote from Jefferson Burdick, who uh, was this highly regarded collector who died, I think, in 1960, and he bequeathed a lot of his exhibit or his collection to the Met. And they did actually uh, an exhibit about um, women's uh, sports. I think they called it a sport for every girl. But he said that, you know, the love of collect, it's a, it's, how did he put it? The love of collecting is like an inherent love of pictures. Mm. And, you know, that just kind of summed it up nicely. Um, that, because I guess he got asked a lot, like, you know, why cards? Why is this important? And he, yeah, quote, 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 unquote, card collecting is primarily an inherited 
love of pictures. And I think that's what hooked me because I've always loved pictures and not necessarily reading a ton of text. And so mm -hmm. this is just enough to pique my interest and uh, do a little digging beyond that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think that is a, a really good quote to kind of sum up a lot of people's love of, of card collecting. It's, I think they always, especially within the sports cards, they have that kind of love of sports and they kind of want to, to collect that in, in their lives. And so that often comes through through their trading cards and sports cards. So um, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I like that as well. Um, I can relate to something I think it was in uh, that Women on Tops, Anne-Marie said about, she said, I love opening things. And yeah. I think, you know, that's one of the things I don't get to experience because these are already, of course, opened and sold individually and you can see what you're going to get. But I think that's one of the magics too of, of the magic of, you know, collecting contemporary cards is you don't know what's in that pack. And uh, that's a lot of fun is that I don't really experience, but uh, I have. And uh, it's always fun to see what's going to be in that pack. Definitely. Yeah. It's the pack is, is, is a fun time. And I feel like even if you don't always get what you want, the whole, it's the experience of, of doing it and, and enjoying that time as well. So have you, do you collect any modern or like what has been your, your relationship with modern? Do you have anything from there as well? A little bit, um, not too much. You know, when I decided it was going to be pre-1972 that I would focus my resources Mm -hmm. It was really about time and money, and particularly money, because I was just coming out of grad school. So, you know, I could dabble more in contemporary, but it's like there has to be a control <laughs> over it. And especially if I'm trying to focus, you know, on, on this particular genre, there are a few athletes that have, they haven't passed as in dead, but they've stopped playing and sometimes I'll, I'll look for their cards just to see what's out there like the you know Martina Navratilova or Yana Novotna well she has passed but you know a few that I really like as athletes I might pick up one now and then I actually almost bought uh, one of the WNBA boxes that's out there now I'm like no no you have to <laughs> you have to stay focused and then I realized dang cards are expensive today like what they've done and I'm a little worried about the hobby for kids because this is how a lot of us got into it was you know they were I don't know what they were when I was a kid but 25 cents which is like a dollar 60 something today you know I mean so it was affordable and so I'm just wondering what's going to happen in the long run if they outprice the kids market you know outside of what like SI for kids has cards in it I think still but I don't know you know how would a kid buy cards today if it's seven dollars for four cards or something or, I don't know I, I'm not in it deep enough but that is your lifeblood for you know over the generations is to get kids into it yeah definitely it's uh it's a it's a bit worrisome to say the least yeah when hobby boxes of cards have like 5x in a year um for some of them in particular so um, yeah, that's definitely a little a little troublesome, but I can definitely relate to with kind of not being spread too thin about what you're collecting. Uh, yeah. Definitely because of the budget, because yeah, sometimes I'll just get on these rampages where I'm like, buy like I collect the Carolina Panthers and that's all I'll search, and then I'm, I also collect like the Gamecocks and that's all I'll search. I'm like, okay, I kind of need to narrow down my searching and stop buying so much. Like, there's only so many things that 
can collect before the yeah. budget says you can't. Um, One of the things, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. <laughs> One of the things that helps um, that, that has worked to my advantage sometimes is if I, a lot of times women's cards are sold in men's sets and mm -hmm. if it's a bidding situation and I've got other bidders I'm up against and I win, I'll put those men's back on the you know auction block easily and that either recoups my money or recoups part of it or allows me to buy more. And so that's kind of a fun benefit, which I would not do if I was in a card show. I wouldn't necessarily buy more than I needed to. So, right. yeah, but that's probably at the only time I sell is, is uh, in that case. I mean, I do have a, a private website, not private, but it's a business website and I have some of the cards there, but I don't really market it too much actively. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's that's kind of funny that you're buying the lot for the card that probably no one else really is looking for in that lot, and it's you selling off to make to make pretty much your money back. That's that's a really good idea. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely appreciate you kind of coming on and and sharing your your story as well as your cards. I thought that was awesome to see, and just love kind of getting more to learn about your book that's upcoming. So I wish you the best in that as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I hope it can happen. Birth, birth this baby. <laughs> yeah, but I just love talking to other collectors. I really appreciate you inviting me on. And uh, there's a lot out there. And it's, I always find it kind of fascinating when women collect men's cards. For some reason, I don't know why this surprises me, but I guess because I've just been so much, you know, into women's cards. And um, it, it's, it's a funny thing. Like, why? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course, they collect <laughs> men's cards. You know, it's, anyways. Yeah. yeah oh yeah definitely I I mean I kind of get asked like in kind of the opposite way too it's like oh do you collect just women's cards and I'm like no like I, I also collect men too so um yeah there's just kind of a broad range and I think a lot of people you know stay true to what they like and yeah. and they're they're happy with that so yeah, yeah. I definitely uh, again yeah just appreciate you coming on and yeah definitely check out um you're you're available on instagram at giant legends yes yes yep. so that is the page to check out <laughs> and that name came out of the what was i think going to be the first title of the book was um, tiny treasures giant mm -hmm. legends and so the tiny treasures treasures were with the cards part and the giant legends are like they're great you know they're olympians and world record holders and um but i think i'm changing the name but anyways that's I, I guess I couldn't fit the whole thing at the time or I chose not to, but I just stuck with giant legends. So I thought that was empowering for women. Yeah, I, I mentioned the woman on tops, but I also think the giant legends is, is very clever as well. Just, I, I like kind of the simplicity, but also if you think about it more, what it, what it really means. So um, yeah. I, I definitely enjoyed yeah. it. But yeah, thank you again. And thank um, you. yeah, thank you everyone for watching. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you, bye.